we are currently in the end times. And I'm not referring to our new blanket of snow. But just look around you right here in this church. You see it all over. To your left and to your right, there are people who call themselves Christians gathering here on the Sunday to worship Jesus. We call to mind in the very windows of this building the communion of the saints depicting the apostles. We call to mind that we are the body of Christ in this world. Jesus Christ is its head. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, rose after three days and ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit among us to sanctify and guide us until he comes again. Didn't I say we are in the end times? Yes, the Catholic view of the end times or of the final tribulation or in Greek, the eschaton, is that it began with the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, with his life, death, and resurrection, and ascension. At that time, the end times began. So what do I mean? I mean, as St. Paul is often wont to say, there are two ages, the present age and the new age. St. Paul talks about this a lot. And he says that, in a certain way, they are overlapping. The present age, which is the age of the devil's dominion over creation. Just think of temptation. Is passing away. And the new age, the age of God's bringing all things into subjection to himself. Christ being the great king of all the universe is here, but is growing. The church uses the phrase already, but not yet, a lot. The Catechism in paragraph 670 literally says this, we are already at the last hour. Already the final age of the world is with us, and the renewal of the world is irrevocably underway. That's a pretty good thing. It says how Christ's reign over all creation is already present in the church, albeit imperfect, but that reign is still under attack. Jesus has indeed won the victory conclusively. And Satan knows that, but Satan is still putting up a fight, so to speak. It's almost as if the defeated team in a game, whatever it is, let's say a football game, refused to leave the field and kept on engaging the other team, thinking that if they follow them around and keep going, they could still win. But obviously they could not. A last stand, per se. The Catechism of the Church continues, Before Christ's second coming, the Church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. 
Perhaps this specifically is what many will think of the end times. But the end times is all of this. And this trial, the church says, will be in the form of an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. And it says that basically this final trial takes shape every time some power or another in the world tries to take the place of Jesus and what Jesus will accomplish with the final judgment. So as I said at the beginning of Mass, we're right at the end of the liturgical year. And this is what the church always presents to us, this idea, this topic of the end times. And we hear about it before Advent starts, so that during Advent we know what we're doing. You may know that in Advent we're going to be preparing for Christ's coming, and the way that we practice that during Advent is joyfully awaiting Christ's birth but it's really focused on Christ's second coming. So as a general reminder, as we get closer to Thanksgiving and Advent will be here at the end of the month, make sure not to jump ahead to Christmas so that we can fully practice that joyful waiting for Christ's second coming. But I digress. Now that we've partly clarified what the church believes about the end times, There are three things specifically I'd like to share in that regard. One, the importance of St. Michael the Archangel, and we heard about him in our first reading. Two, the importance of the Eucharist in regards to the end times. And three, the importance of the poor. St. Michael. In our first reading in the prophet Daniel, we heard, and very rarely do we hear about St. Michael, but we heard how this Archangel protected the people of Israel. And he protected them from the great military ruler Epiphanes, battling on their behalf on the spiritual level. Later in the book of Revelation, we would hear how the the author describes St. Michael again protecting God's holy people and battling on their behalf. Jesus, in the gospel, says he will send the angels. So even now, St. Michael, as the leader of the angels, is battling and protecting against the fallen angels on behalf of Christ and of his church. There's a great prayer called the St. Michael Prayer, which calls upon Michael, specifically asking him by the power of God to accomplish that task of sending Satan and his minions back where they belong. We need St. Michael's intercession and protection if we are to win the battle against temptation and persevere in God's good grace. Two, the importance of the Eucharist in this story. St. Michael is often touted as the guardian of the blessed sacrament, or the guardian of the Eucharist. We won't experience God as the archangels do until we pass from this life to the next, but that doesn't mean God is not present in our world. Ultimately, no, we know that God is infinite and present everywhere. But there's a special way in which God becomes present to us that we see with our human eyes and we taste and we feel. This, of course, is the Eucharist. Our Lord is present with us, and through the Eucharist, he strengthens us and feeds us 
to persevere. Something which we need because, again, for the last 2,000 years, we have been in the end times, awaiting Christ's coming. Which brings us to the third point, this connection between the Eucharist and the poor. St. John Chrysostom in the 5th century, way back when, made a deep connection between our Lord and the Eucharist and our Lord and the poor. He said, To receive in truth the body and blood of Christ given up for us, we must recognize Christ in the poorest and his brethren. He who said, This is my body, is the same who said, You saw me hungry and you gave me no food. And whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did also to me. Matthew 25, right? Jesus talking about the second coming. If we claim to recognize Jesus in the Eucharist, we must also do so in the poor and vice versa. Otherwise, the Eucharist in our sight would simply be a piece of bread. Otherwise, the church in her service and her sight in view of the poor would just be an NGO. Rather, this knowledge and truth that we are serving Christ when we serve someone in need is what puts Christian service on a higher plane, a higher vision of faith. And it is one of the criteria Jesus Jesus clearly gives us for the final judgment. So let us persevere also in serving those in need. So now, again, look around you. Do you see the end times now? Our faith tells us so. And Jesus comes to us, himself poor, in the form of simple bread, He gives us his very flesh in this Mass. And he sends his holy angels to guide and protect us. Through all things, he continues to form his kingdom. So that when he comes again in all his glory, he might find faith in the hearts of his faithful. He might find faith on this earth. And that he might find his followers serving generously those in need. He does all this, that he might find his followers clinging not to this world, but to his word. For his word will never pass away.